Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that Welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Carrick. I teach busy mums who are trying to juggle everything to transform their lives, to lose weight and lead a healthy life so they can feel fit and fabulous. On the Fit and Fabulous podcast, we chat about nutrition, healthy living, emotional wellness in a way that you can apply to your life. I'll show you how to stop being frustrated and overwhelmed with healthy living and how to make it fun and easy. You're invited to sign up to my free New Me workshop. Change your mindset to healthy living in five days. Get to the bottom of those I can't do it thoughts and transform them into wow, it's so easy and fun. You can sign up at drorlina.com slash new me. That's doctor, D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new line in the middle, me. Hello, wonderful people. Welcome back to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina Kerrick. I hope you are feeling fit and fabulous. Today, we are talking pelvic floors and stress incontinence and what to do about it. So this is definitely one for the ladies. Before we dive into technical jargon and explanations of what stress incontinence and pelvic floors are, I want to give you a little bit of my journey. So I have four children. They are aged now 10, eight, and I have twins who are six. And as you are probably aware, pregnancy is not great for your pelvic floor. Now, lots of people think it is childbirth that is not great for your pelvic floor, and childbirth can indeed damage your pelvic floor. But being pregnant can also damage your pelvic floor. It's about the weight that presses down on your pelvic floor. So if you think about having twins when you've got far more weight than if you've just got one child, one baby, that's a long time of things pressing down on your pelvic floor. So needless to say, by the time I've had four children, my pelvic floor is, how can we put this, non-existent? So how did this affect me? Well, I found it difficult to run those particularly short bursts, you know, chasing after your toddler and things like that, or indeed playing football in the back garden, coughing and sneezing. Oh my goodness, so embarrassing. I would have to cross my legs, which normally is fine when I'm sitting at my desk and there's nobody around. It doesn't really matter. But when you're walking down a street and suddenly you're taken over by this sneeze and you have to pause and cross and you think, oh, everybody knows what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. It's a little bit embarrassing, or at least I felt felt embarrassed by it. So what I really did was brushed it under the carpet and pretended that it didn't exist. My sport, by coincidence, happens to be swimming. And I suspect that 
that's not just coincidence that I enjoy swimming because it didn't lead to embarrassing leaking. So I just kind of got on with life and thought, oh, I'm just going to hope that this gets better. Now, when I say hope, that's not entirely true. I did try Kegel exercises, and we'll talk about those in a bit. And I did try a vaginal cone, which I will also explain in a little bit. And oh, so embarrassingly, it fell out one day. Luckily, I was at home by myself, so it wasn't really embarrassing. But I didn't find any of these particularly effective. So it's not like I did nothing, nothing, nothing. It's just the things that I did didn't seem to work and didn't seem to make any improvement whatsoever. And I just kind of hoped that it would get better. Now, on a sad note, I have to say my grandmother was very obese when she was old. And obesity is another risk factor for pelvic floor problems because it's, again, that weight pressing down on your pelvic floor. And sadly, towards the end of her life, she was very incontinent and this was very difficult and embarrassing. And I remember once at a public event when I was about 18 and, you know, quite naive and young, her being very incontinent and me not really knowing how to help her or what to do about it. And I look back now and think, what a tragedy, what an absolute tragedy that there were things that could have helped her if she had done them at the right time, except that she wasn't given that information. Um, So I think for me, that's really sad that she ended up dying in a situation where, you know, by the time she'd got to the end of her life, she was very incontinent and it's a total loss of dignity. And by that time, it was really too late to be able to do anything. Um, So the last few years of her life, I think really could have been much improved if something had been done much earlier on. So I had that story in the back of my mind, yet somehow I'm busy pretending that this problem doesn't exist and I don't want to do anything about it. Until one day we all went to France where my mother lives for a family holiday during the summer and my mother had borrowed a trampoline off her neighbour, one of her friends. One of those big trampolines that you can fit several children on. And my children absolutely loved this trampoline. It was amazing, jumping up and down and bouncing and bouncing. And they wanted all the adults to come on and they're pleading with me to come on. And I thought, that looks amazing fun. I really want to do that. So I dutifully took myself off to the toilet to empty my bladder, knowing that it was going to be a problem. And I'm bouncing up and down and still enjoying it. But you know what? It was still a problem. I could not do it, really, for more than a few minutes without thinking, yeah, this is you know, I have to go and change my underwear. And that's super embarrassing. And at that stage, that's when I decided I have to do something about this. I still have the time available to me. It's not too late for me. I really have to get myself into gear and I have to go and sort this out. So I took myself off to the midwife here in Spain. That's who we see. And I happen to have the only male midwife, I think, in Spain who who deals with these things. I'm sure he's not the only male midwife, but, you know, that was another, you know, I'm used to talking about embarrassing things and body parts being a doctor, but it's another thing sitting on the other side of a table discussing these things with a male midwife. And I know for him, he doesn't care, but it's still embarrassing for me. Anyhow, he did an internal examination and um, that's where they sort of measure the strength 
And he said, your strength is zero out of five. And I was a bit shocked. I didn't think it was really that bad. So he said to me, you have to do these Kegels, which I'll explain to you in a little bit. And he then told me I had to go and do these things called hypopressive exercises. Hypopressives, they call them here, but it translates to hypopressive. And I had never heard of these exercises ever. And I thought, okay, well, I will give them a go because what else do I have to lose? And I went along to this class and I booked myself in. Now, there was a bit of a delay in starting the class. So I'd done a few lessons and they were super easy and super fun and just I enjoyed them as opposed to Kegels. Somehow, I think I got to the stage with Kegels where I stopped enjoying them because I couldn't see any benefit in doing them. After a few classes, I went back to the midwife because a few months had passed. And he examined me again and said, the strength in your pelvic floor is now two out of five. And I thought, that is amazing. I've gone from zero out of five to two out of five after just going to a few classes. And I was supposed to be doing homework and doing them every single day. Clearly, I wasn't. But I still had that um, improvement in such a short period of time. So absolutely amazing. And I will tell you more about hyperpressive exercises. So stress incontinence, what is it? And... Why is it so embarrassing? So stress incontinence is when you, a little bit of urine escapes when you increase the pressure in your abdomen. So that might be something like coughing or laughing or sneezing, or when you're doing high impact exercise, by which I mean something like running or jumping, as opposed to if you're lying on the floor doing stretching. And it's an involuntary thing. You can't really stop it. And it typically happens because you have weakness in your pelvic floor. Now, your pelvic floor is like a basket of muscles that runs from the front of your pubic symphysis, which is that bone at the bottom of your tummy, all the way around to your tailbone. And people often think that it's just where your urine comes out, but it's not. It's a whole floor, hence the name pelvic floor, and it's cup-shaped. And what happens is you either damage or that those muscles get weakened and typically they get weakened by putting pressure on them. So pregnancy and obesity are the two main culprits here and lots and lots of women have stress incontinence after pregnancy. And I checked some statistics on this. If you look at the National Child Care Trust, the NCT in the UK, which is a charity that helps women um, go through pregnancy and labour and offer support, fabulous charity, they reckon that one in two women, or nearly one in two, and I think I've seen other statistics which say one in three, but between one and two and one in three women have stress incontinence after childbirth. And lots of them have it before childbirth as well. And because it is such a taboo topic, because people don't really like to come out and say, hey, do you know what? I have a little bit of leaking when I cough. We don't talk about it. And this leads to isolation. And they also said on their website that people not only don't talk about it, they don't like talking about it with their friends, with their spouses, with their partners, or indeed with their health professionals. And I totally understand that. I found it really uncomfortable talking about it with my health professional. Except the problem is about not talking about it is that it doesn't come out into the open and people then don't do the things that they can do to reverse it. And I think that is a tragedy. And the other tragedy is, is that if you talk to somebody about it in your mother's group, 
chances are that they're sat there too thinking about it and nobody is bringing it out into the open and going, hey, what can we do about it? So here is the thing. What can we do about it? Well, there are various things that you can do and they all entail strengthening your pelvic floor. So the first and typical squeeze exercises are called Kegels and there's more research behind these than the hypopressive ones. So the research basically says that if you do these, you will strengthen your pelvic floor. Now, the secret is, is you have to do them correctly. And if you don't do them correctly, then clearly you're not doing them. But it's very easy to do them wrong. And the way you want to do it is squeeze your entire pelvic floor. Now, they used to say what you should do is start going to the toilet and then stop going to the toilet and that's strengthening your pelvic floor but what people are saying now is that is not a good exercise to do you should be doing your pelvic floor exercises at a different time than when you go to the toilet it can be a useful exercise to understand where your pelvic floor muscles are they're the muscles that you use when you squeeze to stop yourself doing the wee but you don't want to be doing that on a regular basis and I think it One of the things, one way is to think about it, is to think about holding in a fart. Ah, it just said that word in public. Can we say body pop? That's what we say at home. So pretend you're holding in a body pop. Ah, this is such an embarrassing topic, isn't it? Okay, so you are sort of squeezing from your bottom and your front and you, those are contracting your muscles and you want to do short squeezes and a long squeeze. Now, if you have zero out of five strength, that's going to be really difficult for you. So you just want to do a few a day. You don't want to try and go, okay, I'm going to do 15 minutes of that because you won't be able to do it. You're much better off saying, I'm going to do three short squeezes and one long squeeze. And I'm going to do that three times a day. And that's what my midwife told me to do. And I suspect I did it for about a week. I find them a little bit dull, a little bit boring. And again, I think it comes back to having previously done them or tried to do them. I thought I was doing them right. I understand the tech, how you're supposed to do them. But I guess if you have no muscle strength, it's very difficult to do that. But the research shows that these are the ways, this is a good way to fix your pelvic floor. Now, for women who don't know where their pelvic floor is because they have so little strength, like myself, there are other things that you can do. So there are things called electrical stimulation of the pelvic floor. And they what they do is they stimulate the muscles and contract them. And it's just a way of showing you where your muscles are. And eventually you can learn to exercise them and do, your, do them yourself. And another way to do it is biofeedback. And it's a similar mechanism. I have not had either of these. I've not in personal experience with either of these, but they use either a small electrode or a probe. And the point about those is to really help you understand where your muscles are. Now, another thing that is very popular and that people recommend are these things called vaginal cones or balls. And they are little weighted balls or cones. The one I had was a ball. And you insert it like you insert a tampon. And the idea behind that is that you are constantly, you have it up there and you're constantly using your pelvic floor to keep it up there. And that just as you go around, it will strengthen your pelvic floor because you will be using your pelvic floor. Now, typically what you would do is start with the lightest weight one. And when you're comfortable with that, move up, move up, move up, depending on how many there are. 
So those are definitely things that are worth thinking about. Now, those pelvic balls, they're not cheap. They're Well, it depends on which ones you get, but they're around 10 to 30 euros, dollars, pounds, whatever. And you can buy a set of them as well if you want to. So they're worth trying. Now, the last thing is these hypopressive exercises. Now, hypopressive exercises are relatively new. And when I say relatively new, I think the concept has been around a while, but it's only recently come into fashion and only recently been used to look at pelvic floors. And it is slightly controversial because there is not research behind it. But I have to say, on a personal level, now, having started doing these exercises, and from now, I do them from time to time. I don't go to the classes anymore, um, and but they're very super easy. I'll explain how to do them. They're super easy to do out and about. So, for example, if I'm waiting at a traffic light or if I'm waiting for my children to come out of school, you know, they're just things that you can do in literally a couple of minutes. So the research isn't really there. From a personal level, I found them really useful. I've also put together a small course for people to do. Um, it's a 30-day course, and it just walks people through that those exercises. And people who have done that course have said, wow, they work. Um, I have no more leaking now. So I'm not the only person who finds them super useful. And with all things research, I think sometimes it's just a matter of time. They just need to do more research to really look at this question. Now, the idea behind them is what you do is you decrease the pressure in your pelvis and in your abdomen, sorry, and that allows, that decreases the pressure on your pelvis and allows your pelvic floor to suck upwards because the pressure has gone. And there's actually an amazing YouTube video that I will link to in these notes that shows when it's a little bit graphic. So if you don't like graphic, gory things, it's not for you. Um, but it shows somebody doing this and they have a prolapsed um, uterus and you can see them doing this exercise and the uterus going back up inside. It is quite amazing. So how do you do them? They are super easy. You breathe in, you breathe out, you breathe in, you breathe out. And then you breathe in as much, as much, as much as you can. And then you breathe out as much, as much, as much as you can. And then you, well, when you're starting off, you hold your nose and close your mouth and you sort of pretend to breathe in. You inflate your lungs as if you were breathing in, but you've got your nose closed and your mouth closed. So you're not actually breathing in, but you are increasing the volume in your lungs and thereby you are decreasing the pressure in your tummy. And that allows your pelvic floor to relax a little bit. And then you count to 10. And that's it. It is super simple. Now, you can obviously do these exercises in various different um, uh, postures. And also people use them as a form of exercise as well, a bit like doing yoga. So it's not just people, females, who are trying to improve their pelvic floor who do these exercises. It's a mode of exercise now that some people do. So that is basically it in a nutshell. As I say, they totally worked for me. Now, so just to recap, stress incontinence is really, really common. It is a little bit of weaken, uh, urine leaking when you increase the pressure in your abdomen. And it is normally due to a weakened or damaged pelvic floor. And normally that is due to being pregnant or being obese. Those are the two main causes. And there are lots of ways that you can work to 
increase the strength in your pelvic floor. You can do the Kegel exercises. You can have biofeedback or um, electrical stimulation. You can use vaginal cones and you can try hyperpressuous exercises. And you know what? You can do hyperpressuous exercises with Kegels as well if you want to. Now, beyond that, there are medical um, and surgical options. And I'm not going to talk about them today, partly because I don't know anything about them. They're not very common. They're for people who are have very severe problems. And, you know, I think most surgeons will make sure that you have gone through a long course of trying to improve things naturally. Most surgeons don't want to do unnecessary operations. So, you know, if you find that you've tried absolutely everything or you have a slightly different cause for your stress incontinence, then that's when you need to be talking to your doctor. But there are surgical and medical options available. But you need to be doing this first. And who wants to have an operation when they don't need to have an operation? Okay, there you go. In a nutshell, everything you need to know about pelvic floors and stress incontinence. So I have put together a little handout for you called How to Stop the Leaking When You Sneeze. And it basically just goes over all of these things. Just thinking if there is anything else. Yes, Avoid constipation was the other thing that I put on this. So how can you reverse it? Well, you can make sure if you're overweight that your body weight is a good weight and that you aren't putting unnecessary pressure on your pelvic floor and avoiding constipation, which again is going to put pressure on your pelvic floor. So two important factors, exercising, making sure you're the right body weight and making sure you're not constipated. So you can sign up to get that freebie that handout how to stop leaking when you sneeze and if you are interested I will also leave a link to my 30-day program which is called the pelvic floor solution and what it does is it it's a paid program and although it's very reasonably priced I think um, it walks you through these exercises so it goes a little bit more into the explanation and I explain with a video exactly how to do them and then you get five days a week of exercises. The first one is 20, 20 minutes, and then the next four are 10 minutes. And you can choose to either do 10 minutes a day, 10 to 20 minutes a day, or to save it all up and do one hour a week for four weeks. And I think that is a really good way of getting to grips with these exercises. And then after that, just maintaining them by doing those little things where and when you want to. So if you're interested I will leave a link. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Alina. If you enjoyed it, I would be really grateful if you could share it with a friend. Every time you share a podcast episode with a friend, it helps me to reach and help more people. Remember, you're welcome to sign up for the new me challenge. Dig out those I can't do it thoughts and replace them with, wow, this is easy and fun. You can sign up at drlina.com slash new me. That's D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash new dash in the middle me. Have a lovely week and see you next week. Goodbye.